When I rehearse, when I rehearse, you know, I've done a bunch of poetic performances. I got two TED Talks. They were both spoken word poems. Uh, when I rehearse now, especially with poetry, I rehearse to get it in my body. I don't mm. rehearse to get it in my head. I rehearse to get it in my body. And when that happens, a shift occurs, man. It really, truly does. And then we can become the performance of this piece of art. Introducing the Poet Life Podcast. Go check it out today on your favorite platforms, including iTunes, Apple Music, and the website, thepoetlife.com. Hey, 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 it's Christoph Jenkins. I am excited on this evening because I'm with a good friend, the co-host, Sean Smith of the Poet Life Podcast. Sean, what's going on, sir? All kinds of great stuff. It's always good to be with you and happy happy to be here yeah folks definitely most of what are we talking about today man i know we were i have to hurry up and click record when i'm on when i'm on here with sean man because <laughs> uh, we'll be sitting here talking for like an hour and won't click record and, and, and won't catch all of those gems and that goodness that we've been talking about so uh what, what were we talking about man yeah, we were talking about creativity, talking a little bit about seeing outside of the box. And I think the thing that you really wanted to dive into a little bit more was embodiment. Yeah. 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 So so I know what I think about what you what I think you're thinking about when you say yeah. embodiment. You tell me what you mean by embodiment and, and, and see if I'm on the same page. Perfect. Yeah. I'll give you my experience of it in a different context than okay. poetry, but it also is the thing that unlocked all of my creativity and, you know, and then we'll, we'll put it in the context of creativity and whatever, uh, wherever this goes. So I took an embodiment course. It, it was, I think it was called embodied leadership, something like that. And it was essentially, how do we become the essence of leadership? Mm. And that really intrigued me. And, and I, I saw this guy who led the course say, I, I, I watched him or I interviewed him or something like that. I don't remember how it happened, but he, mm. he made a statement that rocked my world, man. He said, knowledge is only a rumor until it lives in your cells. True. Knowledge is only a rumor until it lives in the cells of your body. And that was so intriguing. It was one of those double, triple takes. Like, what? wait, what? What did you just say? Mm -hmm. And then he explained what embodiment actually is. And so I've since studied it. I took that class. I'll tell you about that here in a minute. But what I've learned is that when it comes to personal development, when it comes to anything that involves evolution, poetry and creativity being one of them, we don't rise to the level of our intellectual learning. We fall to the level of our embodied training. So let me put it in a speaking context. I think this will relate to a lot of people. A lot of people have a fear of speaking. And it's because we're afraid of something going wrong, right? We're afraid right. that we forget our lines, that they don't like our jokes, that we lose our place, that they don't like us. We're afraid of some, something. And so what happens is a lot of people will memorize their talks. They'll rehearse their talks. 
They'll motivate themselves. They'll learn all the things they can do, you know, pre-talk and all this stuff. And, and they'll take speaking courses and learn how to move on stage and all this stuff. And then they'll take the stage and forget their name, mm. like, like literally forget their name or forget how to breathe or they'll get cotton mouth or they'll black out. You know, not everybody's experience is that intense. But what we now say in the embodied conversation is you were, your mind was prepared, but you got up on stage and your body failed you. Mm. And that's the difference between embodiment and intellectual understanding, right? Or is it like this, like we fill our minds with information, but it has to be in our bodies for us to actually make big changes in our lives. And so since I learned that, I now, when I rehearse, when I rehearse, you know, I've done a bunch of poetic performances. I got two TED Talks. They were both spoken word poems. Uh, when I rehearse now, especially with poetry, I rehearse to get it in my body. I don't mm. rehearse to get it in my head. I rehearse to get it in my body. And when that happens, a shift occurs, man. It really, truly does. And then we can become the performance of this piece of art rather than just reciting a poem or reading or memorizing a talk. We become the performance. We become the essence of the thing. And I learned that because when I was taking this embodied training course, one of the things that we constantly did is we just checked in with, you know, our programs, right? How, how have we been conditioned? All of our belief systems, all of our values, our traumas that we've been carrying around, all that stuff is embodied inside of us. And so we were constantly checking in, you know, what patterns do I have that I need to change in order to have a better marriage, in order to make more money, in order to get what we want, right? And there was some kind of rumbling inside my body. And I remember so clearly sitting on the couch, talking to this man, Scott, who was the guy that made that statement that I said, and he's the leader of this course. And I said, I feel like I got, like, I've got a, a werewolf in my body, you know, cause I've, I've wrestled with masculinity for a long time. Mm. And I told him, I feel like my masculinity is a werewolf. Like if I dive into it, I'm going to hurt somebody again. So I'm afraid of it, right? And that led to a conversation that that ended up giving me this thought of what if I portrayed this masculinity as a character of, of a werewolf? And then that led me to creating a one-man show about my relationship with my mom. And my show opens with a monologue from this werewolf. And it was one of the most profound things I'd ever done. But what it did caused me to go inside and go, who am I? And where does this pain live? And if this pain could talk, what would it say? And so there was this embodiment of my pain in this case that ultimately led to this like ridiculous explosion for me of creativity. And so I did this 90-minute one-man show and that's when I first learned about how, because, you know, I had lines that I needed to hit. Mm -hmm. I mean, because what I say in scene 17 depends on what I said in scene three. 
So this wasn't like just let's just go up on stage and just free flow. Mm -hmm. And and I realized how difficult it was because I never done anything like this to memorize like 90 minutes of something. But what happened is I put it all in my body, right? Like I just rehearsed and I felt it. And then when I spoke, I spoke from my body. But then I also coordinated physical moves to the words. So when I stepped forward and I looked down at my feet at a certain line, it led me to then turn turn left with my head. And then I envisioned something else. And then I turned on stage and went that way while I was saying the line. Like every single line got connected to a body movement as well. So that's the physical component, especially for anybody that's, you know, actually performing. That's the physical component of embodiment. And when you can get something in your body, then it's a whole nother level of ownership. I know that's one of the, the big words that, mm -hmm. that you really champion mm -hmm. ownership. And so since then, man, I, like everything I create, it feels like it comes from my body and I try to get it in my body. And it's, it, it's this, this embodiment training. It's called somatic training sometimes or embodiment training. That's what has changed like everything fundamentally in my world. And what I've learned is that if we want to change the results that we have in our lives, we have to change the recipe that we're following. And the, the true recipe that we're following is embodiment work. And, you know, that's when we look at what are we really afraid of? When do we actually create anxiety? When do we want to quit? When, when and how do we sabotage ourselves? So that's the context of embodiment at a, at a, at a big, uh, you know, at, at a big level in my journey through it. It's time to create an unforgettable experience at your next event with The Poet Life by booking a keynote poet. Poets excite your audience with motivating messages, charismatic delivery, colorful rhythm, powerful prose, and heart-filled stories with a style of spoken word that's tailored specifically to your event. The Poet Life has keynote poets in your city of all ages and backgrounds. Visit thepoetlife.com to learn more and book your poet today. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. You know, I, uh, I'm coaching a poet right now uh, out in New York uh, virtually, and he asked if I could help him with his with his performance. He's, he's really corporate. You know, uh, um, he's on Wall Street, Wall Street guy. He does presentations, but you can tell that he's very robotic. Yeah. It, right. And 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 he's real corporate. And and that's how he talks. That's how he presents. Um, even how he uh, performs his poetry. It's super, you know, a robot. Robotic, yeah. And so he's just like, can you can you help me loosen up, basically? There you go. And, and so this this episode here will be so good for him because. I think a lot of times, <clears throat> I think a lot of times poets think they're finished rehearsing when they have memorized it. Yes. Right. You know, but I also tell poets that or ask poets, do you really want to be a spoken word poet? Do you want to be a performance poet? And they ask me why. And I'm like, well, 
a lot of poets feel like they're in bondage because they feel like they have to perform in order to be a poet. Right. And that's not the case. Right. And when I say that, they're like, whoa. Because they really feel like, man, you know, and it's, and a lot of times it's really not stage fright. Mm-hmm. It is just like myself. I don't have the passion to be on stage. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And, and that's the awesome thing about poetry. You can go down so many different paths. Yeah. You know, you, you, you know, now be self-aware if it is stage fright and, you, and you're just scared, then you got to challenge yourself. Yep. You know what I'm saying? But if you're self-aware to know that, no, I am, I'm simply someone who writes poetry and, and has a passion for people to read their poetry and, and allow those readers to, uh, get their own sense of what it means to them, Mm -hmm. you know, but if you're a performance poet, you are not finished until you embody, like you said, mm. the poem and not just memorize. Like, oh, I memorize it. I'm good. It's in there. And then, like you said, when you when you get on stage, you're like, oh, oh. Or you got it, but you misalign and don't know how to get it back. Right. Yeah. That, everything you said is is so critical. You know, it's it's one of the kicks that I'm on right now is to challenge this notion of right and wrong. There's no such thing as right and wrong. There's only aligned and misaligned. So what's right for you might be misaligned for me or what's aligned for me might be misaligned for you. And even if somebody doesn't want to be a performance poet, so much of poetry comes from embodiment. It comes from us looking at the pain in our lives, our dreams, you know, the things that are lodged in our bodies are what eventually become the words that show up on the page. And so even if somebody's not performing the poem, if there's a depth of embodiment in the poem, it's still going to be more powerful than if it's just coming from the intellect, let's say. So I think there's embodiment in poetry almost anywhere. I, I have a quick story to tell. I know I, I've been talking a lot so far, but but I got a, 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 a relevant story because it just happened last weekend. Mm. I'm a part of a group of transformational people in the world that are just trying to change the world in whatever way they can. And we meet every six months. So what we do is we have something called member shares where you have 60 seconds to just share something that you're up to. And I've never done anything on a member share, but I recently did a TEDx talk that I really haven't promoted hardly at all. It's a, it's a, it's a dicey uh, topic. It's, it's on racism. And for whatever reason, I just haven't promoted it outside of a lot of my, you know, inner circles. And so it was really important for me to to do this and let people know that I've got this this happening. And so I took a a few sections of my poem and I condensed it and shifted it a little bit because it needed to be less than 60 seconds. So I was rehearsing it and I have all this knowledge that I was just sharing with you and I was trying to get in my body and I was going this and I I was doing all this stuff, right? 
And then I took the stage and I really wanted to not read it. I wanted to perform it. Mm -hmm. And so I put my phone in my back pocket. I had, I had already rehearsed it at least a hundred times and I felt good about it. Right. So I show up and I get in front of the mic and I'm flowing and it's all going well for about 40 seconds. And then I start panning the crowd. And then there's, there's a couple lines that I really want to nail. And I want people to let me know by their response that it's a good line. So in that moment, I was basically looking for approval. So I deliver this line at about 40 seconds and I see somebody to my left nod her head. And I was like, yeah, I got her, right? Because she's an influential person. She's somebody that I really want. And then I look to my right and there's somebody else who's also influential. So I had essentially picked out the important people in the, in the crowd. Mm -hmm. And I delivered this line at about 45 seconds and I looked for her approval. Mm. And she didn't really give it, but she didn't like disapprove. It's just, I, I looking back, I realized that I was looking for a piece of feedback from the audience. Now I didn't plan for all of that when I was rehearsing. So my mind was now looking for feedback over here. And when I didn't get it, I forgot the rest mm. of my poem. So I didn't, I didn't hit the last 10 seconds. I went blank. I couldn't remember where I was. I was just in this fog. I went to go grab my phone, but I knew if I'm going to try to find where I am, like, I'm not going to do this. So then I just ended up walking off stage. I mean, it ended up being fine because you know, the first 50 seconds were, were fire, but, but, it, but my lesson was I didn't have it in my body enough to search for approval, right. While I was performing now, had I not even looked at the, at the audience and I would have just looked above the crowd, which is, which is a speaking technique that's helpful for some people. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have had the eye to eye contact to pull me out of my poem. Mm. So but but it it bruised my ego a little bit. Let me tell you, it bruised my ego because this was important to me. And in this moment, my body failed me. But the lesson was it was because I was searching for approval while performing my poetry. Mm. And those two things are conflicting. My mind wanted something and it took my body out of the out of the performance. So I don't know what's in there for somebody to get who's listening to this, but it just speaks to how our ego actually doesn't promote the creation of, I think, powerful poetry in whatever right. form, nor the performance of it. And that's why creativity is, is such a sacred thing that I, I love diving into. Yeah. Well, at least the fact that you had it in your body, you got to 50 seconds. <laughs> right. There you go. But if you just <laughs> had it in your head, you probably wouldn't have gotten gotten that far. Bingo. Yep. No doubt. Yeah. That's interesting. I never <clears throat> I never thought about the embodiment. I mean, you you hear, you know, become the poem, you know, um, but those are like cliche-ish statements, you know. Yeah. Um, but if you really break it down like you just did, it makes a lot of sense. And I think I, I think there's a big opportunity for poets who are going to perform, whether it's you're performing on camera, on Zoom, or actually up on a big stage in front of people. 
there's a real big opportunity to understand delivery. And, you know, the majority of delivery doesn't have anything to do with the words. You know, maybe you've heard this before. This is like a, a classic study. I don't know how they measured all this stuff, but they said communication really only depends about 7% on the words that you use. 93% mm. is your body language and your tonality. Hmm. And so I think, you know, a, a lot of poets do understand this. And it, I mean, the, 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 the great performers are, you know, they're using their body and they're using their tonality, but I think it, there's an opportunity to study that at a deeper level for all people, not just poets, all people to recognize that, you know, you can deliver just a single line with the higher voice or a lower voice or a pause in between. And I think we see that when poems are performed, but I think there isn't enough people or at least a, a huge opportunity for people is to study the science of that, the science of poetic delivery, mm. which I just made up on the spot. So maybe that's something that we need to teach, but, that's good. but there is a science to it. And then you combine that with the art form and man, there's, there's liberation when, when people can get into their body and that actually, so I've done speaker training for a long time outside mm -hmm. of the, the poetry world in speaker training. I talk a lot about this embodiment because it's our mind that has the fears of mm -hmm. all of the catastrophes, right? And it was my mind that was afraid of getting disapproved of. So when we get into our bodies, our bodies is where our courage actually lives. Our minds where all of our fears live. So when we can move down into the place where our courage lives, then we'll actually be more powerful communicators because we won't be coming from you know, the room that has all of our fears in it. So that's a deep topic. Ooh, that is, that's major, man. That is, that is major. You know, initially <clears throat> when you spoke of embodiment, I was coming from the angle of less performance, but probably brand. And oh, be, nice. Yeah. And becoming uh, your brand and and uh, as opposed to periodically turning it on like it's a nine to five mm. or a hobby. Yeah, I love that. That's often where poets find themselves because they can't see the feasibility of this becoming what they do and who they are as in like this is my lifestyle yeah you know um um and so i i, I think i think and that's part of the reason why a lot of people don't know poets are poets is because they don't embody it that's true until they get to an open mic yeah that's a really good point you know, I immediately just thought of celebrities um, who embody their their brand. They become the essence yes. of of their brand, and that's you know that becomes magnetic. You know, to your point, mm -hmm. uh, I know this is something that you're you're, you're such a stand for. Uh, 
poets really understanding the marketability mm -hmm, mm -hmm. of their work. But I think it's easy for us to just hope that somebody's going to come knock on our door and be like, Hey, do you, are you a poet or do you have, can you, do you write poems or do you do events or, you know, do you do conferences? Can you do this stuff? And if we, if we don't have that embodiment of our brand, uh, that's just not going to happen. I mean, people are not going to come looking for us. I've joked a bunch of times when people have asked me about my poems and I'm like, yeah, I got a bunch of them. You know, they're in my Google drive, right? <laughs> no, yeah. Nobody's emailing me asking me for links to my Google drive. That's it. Crazy, right? That's it. Yeah. You got to become it. the brand. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It, you know, people are not going to take you serious if you don't take yourself serious. Mm, amen. You know, like people can tell that I take this serious. I don't, I'm not playing, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, 100%. Yep. Yeah. So, so I'm in, that means I'm in rooms that I'm not in. Mm. You see, you, if you, if, if the word poetry comes up anywhere you are, you'll probably mention me. Hmm. You That's you powerful. you want to become synonymous to the thing that you say that you do or who yeah. you are. You know what I'm saying? That's, and that's That's how you get calls randomly out the blue or DMs or messages saying, "Hey, you know, so and so cousin said that you do this poetry thing. Can you plan this event for us?" Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's it still blows my mind. Yeah. Just just waking up to messages like that. You know? And what what you did is you gave somebody an opportunity to fit you in mm -hmm. to something they already have going on as well. Exactly. And so sometimes the the ideas that come to us are way beyond what we could have thought of. Yeah. But we need to be out there, the essence of the branding, as you said, in order mm -hmm. for those opportunities to uh, to find us. Yeah, yeah. It is, it is becoming creators. Bingo. It's not enough. It's not enough just to be creative. Mm. Because that's, that's periodic. Yes. You see what I'm saying? You know, I can be creative when I choose to be. Hmm. But if you are a creator, if you embody there you go. The the lifestyle of a creator, that's all you do is create. Hmm. And you then you create your own opportunities. You know what I'm saying? Like literally that's the biggest part of what is going to allow a poet to create a career. Mm. You literally have to create it. Yeah. Because there is no slide right into this industry. Right. Because it's, it's so new. It's so young. There's no blueprint to how to do this thing. But that's also the beauty of it. Yes. You see what I'm saying? Like, I can think of something to do or to create and know I will be known for it. 
It, the the industry's not saturated. That's a good thing. But you but you can't be scared to be the first or the second or third. Well, and one thing that you said, I think it was before we even started recording, is that we, poets have to get out of the poetry industry because no industry mm -hmm. is saturated with poetry. No non-poetry industry is saturated with poetry. So you're taking an element and putting it into an industry mm -hmm. that could be mind-blowingly unique. Yep. And most people don't identify as poetic or as creative. Mm -hmm. So if we show up as the creator mm -hmm. and can give them a little bit of a spice that they don't have already mm -hmm. in their ingredient. I mean, not only can that be game changing for them, but wildly valuable financially, mm -hmm. wildly valuable financially for them. Majorly. And that's what I hear though. That's what I hear from poets that say, yeah, I'm trying so hard, you know, um, if, but it's not working. Then I'll hear, keywords like the word feature i you know i can't get these features man and that tells me open mics yeah um that my, my my books are not selling that tells me chat books hmm. uh, i'm hearing everything that's within the poetry community yeah and nothing that has them stepping outside of the poetry community to disrupt other industries. It's a good word. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Because again, there's not enough money in the poetry community to sustain you. There's not enough opportunities in the poetry community to sustain you or even grow you. There's but there's but so many open mics in your area. You can't feature right. every month. You you see what I'm saying? So, so where's, the, where's the predictable income? We at The Poet Life are excited to invite you to be a part of something that we've all been longing for. For far too long, each and every one of us have been searching for a way to get connected with like-minded people, specifically poets who have the desire to make poetry their career. We've all heard more than once from more than one person that there is no money in poetry. This couldn't be further from the truth. Your poetry is invaluable. Allow us to show you how successful you can be with your poetry. Learn how you can go from being an individual poet to launching a business that offers poetry as a service. Join us as we build the poetry industry together. The Poetry Business Network that is made of poets from all over the world who are looking to start their career in the poetry industry or simply do more with their poetry. We will meet twice a week on a Zoom call every Tuesday and Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You will have the opportunity to meet and network with poets from all walks of life. You will also have the privilege of meeting and learning from the best professional poets in the world. Many of them have been guests on the Poet Life Podcast. We have also incorporated a book club where we read personal development books to help us change our mindset. In order for us to realize our greatness as professional poets, we must renew our minds. 
So, for just $1, you can check out the Poetry Business Network to see if you like it. We are confident that you will. If you choose to become a member after the first week, membership will be $79 a month. But if for whatever reason you don't, you can cancel at any time. There is no obligation. So, make the investment of just $1 and change the way you see and pursue poetry. We hope you become a part of the Poetry Business Network. Together, we can build the poetry industry. What I'm thinking about as you say that is there's a philosophy in business. And and for so many of us, our biggest opportunities are outside of how we're currently thinking, which is everything that you're talking about now and, and everything that you teach your clients. There's a philosophy in business called the blue ocean strategy. Mm. Have you ever heard that? Oh, I know what the blue ocean. Yeah. Is. Uh, that's what I figured by your reaction. Yep. The essence of this philosophy is that most of business in any industry happens inside the red ocean. Mm. And the ocean is red because it's bloody with all the competition. So inside the poetry industry, at the open mics, with the chat books, all of the best talent in the industry are is already competing for those posts. Mm -hmm. They're already competing in those areas. So the only way to get to where people want is to out-compete or out talent, mm -hmm. really talented, competitive folks. But the idea, the blue, in, the blue ocean is go where there isn't any competition. And if you go outside of the poetry industry, but bring your poetic creativity, and then you teach a company how to increase morale or teamwork, you know, you go to Silicon Valley and, 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 teach these gigantic tech companies, let's say, and this is not anything that I'm familiar with. I'm just making it up right now. Mm -hmm. So um, mm -hmm. maybe someone will take this and run with it. I don't know. But you know, you you take a company that's a billion dollar company and you, you go, you know what would actually uh, help your employees get along together or create more, more teamwork or anything, whatever, whatever the, you know, the connection is, is what I can do for you. You know, this thing that you're not doing because you're thinking in your box and I can bring this to you. And maybe that's something with poetry. Maybe it's something kind of on the fringe of creativity. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But to a billion dollar company, you know, what if you could increase their revenue 0.01%? Or what if you could decrease people leaving their company? It was actually one of the most one of the most expensive things to companies is people leaving. So when you can decrease employee departure mm -hmm. or you can increase morale or you can decrease problems inside the culture. All yeah. of those things are massively valuable. And a lot of these companies literally have multi-million dollar budgets. Like they have to spend money in these areas. And so if you can do something unique and you give them something off of the normal menu of options that they always see all the time, that's the way to stand out. That's the blue ocean idea where there is no competition. And here's the other thing. And I know you're big on this. Mm -hmm. You teach this and you've experienced this. When you are the only one doing what you do, you could charge whatever price you want. 
because they it. have to pay it. That's it. You don't have to compete on pricing either. That's a whole game changer. So I'm glad that you, I, I yeah. mean, I know this is what you're, you're all about. Yeah. I'm glad you just spoke to that. And it, it's uh man, those blue oceans are vast too. You, you didn't, you didn't made yourself a NFT. Right. You're non-fungible. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, that's, that's what it is. And if you think about those poets that are successful, what are they doing? Mm. Are they at the open mic? Are they producing chat books? And that's it. No, they're they're making commercials. They're they're out into the world, mm -hmm. disrupting all of these other industries with their poetry. Bingo. Just think about it. Name the names that you believe are successful. They're no longer what are, are doing what poets usually do. Hmm. That's profound. And 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 I think a lot of times they'll ask the question, so how do I step outside of you get silent and hmm. you think creatively and get some help and stop trying to do it yourself but it's not going to be free mm, absolutely that's the hard part yeah when you throw just th it, when you throw money into the whole situation i think another thing that all people that I've come across, all entrepreneurs. Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I didn't even mean to say that word, but to your point earlier, you have to see yourself as an entrepreneur, not just a creator, but but as an entrepreneur, that your you brand to. is a business. Period. And that you are that business. Because that'll change the way we think about money. It'll change what we charge. It'll change what we invest. We'll see the value of investing something into an entrepreneurial machine mm -hmm. that can then produce a lot more money. And it'll just increase our own value that's attached to money. Yeah. But especially if we if you do what we've been talking about, give somebody else a heightened financial experience in their company or, you know, just making people happier, right? I mean, you take mm -hmm. a bunch of CEOs who are making half a million dollar salaries. You can you can add poetry in some capacity to their life and just just improve their relationships, mm -hmm. you know? Like ask a multimillionaire what he would pay to have a better relationship with his with his kids. Sure. Those are the things that poets can do, whether it's with a poem or whether it's just with the, the nature of creativity, mm. but they don't see the value of that just inside the fishbowl of poetry. Yeah. Yeah. I often challenge people to stop saying the word poetry, hmm. stop saying the word poem and, and, and say the synonyms of poem and poetry hmm. like 
what is it really? It is a way to release. Mm -hmm. It is a way to inform. It's a way to inspire. It's a way to connect, communicate. You see what I'm saying? It's a, the, it, yeah. the creative ways to do those things. And every industry is trying to do that. Mm -hmm. But they're like, okay, what is another way? Because we, we, we keep doing the same thing. Yeah. And I don't know of another way to do it. That's a really good point. People need innovation and, you know, creatives and creators are uniquely positioned to help people innovate because mm. you think about creativity. What is creativity? It's creating something that didn't exist before, mm -hmm. whether it's a blank page and you write a, a poem on it or whether it's a tune in your head and you create a song from it or whether it's just a thought and you create a dance from it or whether it's an idea and you create a seminar from it, that's all creativity mm -hmm, mm -hmm. from something that didn't exist before. And that's innovation. And one of the hardest things that, that corporations or just any established entity, uh, one of the hardest things for them to do is innovate yeah. because they just been in this box for so long and they just make little tiny needle point moves. So the creator can come in and help somebody innovate. And that'll completely change their life or their business or their bank account. And yeah. that's, that's valuable. Yeah. You know what makes it hard for me to create reels? You know how important reels are for social media and marketing? Yeah. Um, it's because I get rushes of feelings of greatness. Mm. But it's hard for me to stay in it yes w without feeling arrogant and non-humble if you will yeah. you know what i'm saying um so I, like i said i get i get a rush when and when i when i do get that rush i hurry up and try to do a real right you know what i'm saying yeah i i think it's because i'm like not surrounded by people who seek greatness and walk in it. You know what I'm saying? Mm, yeah. That it doesn't stay on me. Um, and, and I hear be humble so often. Yeah. And I, and I'll say not 100% of, of humility is good. I know I said that mm. backwards, but being humble 100% of the time is not good. Amen. Being egotistical is 100% of the time is not good either. Right. Obviously. But you need some of that ego. You do. And you need some of that, a lot of that humility. Yeah. What you're, what you're talking about. I love dissecting this stuff, by the way. Yeah. Because if we're talking about business, you know, if, if somebody just had a business degree and they just wanted to make money and they chose a Starbucks franchise or they chose to create a business around like some kind of widget, right? Like somebody making remote controls, right? Mm -hmm. You could understand the, 
the essence of business. You can understand marketing and sales and all that stuff. And, and there's, there's this product that you have, mm -hmm. but, and that product never changes. I mean, you know, it could be upgraded and stuff like that. What makes what we do unique is that we are the product yeah. and we create the product. And so what makes it so challenging, but also beautiful is that built into the product is creativity that show that that creates massive opportunity, but it also can create massive challenge because what it takes to strategically create a business that makes money is just a completely different set of muscles than what it takes to create something that can change somebody's life in whatever form mm -hmm. that is. Mm -hmm. I, and I wrestle with it too myself and, mm -hmm. and, and and one thing that I would offer to you is, you know, this, this, when the creativity rushes and it comes and you want to grab the reels, I think one of the, or create whatever it is from a business standpoint, one of the things that I've dealt with is the conflict between strategy and creativity, right? So when I'm in creative mode, I'm not thinking about, oh, I got to put up a story or I got to, I got to create a reel or I got to send out an email because that's, that's strategy. That's a different, that's a different thing. But then when I'm in strategy mode, maybe I'm already checking emails and creating social media posts or, you know, writing something, even if I'm creating something, it's creating from a strategic standpoint, which is different than the creation of, you know, like what we're talking about, like poetic, sacred kind of creation. And so what I've found is that when my mind is in strategy mode, it takes a while mm -hmm. to change it to creativity mode mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. vice versa. Right. And so a lot of times, you know, for me, I always envision it like the left foot, right foot, right? If you're walking, you need both feet. Mm -hmm. If you only align with your creativity and you just try to hop on your right foot for the rest of your life, that's not going to work, mm -hmm. nor will you go as fast or only the left foot, but when you know how to use them simultaneously and they feed off of each other, and sometimes you're in this mode and sometimes you're in that mode, then it's, it's easier to create something that works together. And that's really difficult for creators to, to do. Cause like you said, you know, ego gets involved and humility gets involved and most people don't create just to make money or even to make money at all but you can't have a business without money and without sales and without strategy. So there's this conflict of values, I think yeah, that comes into play and I still deal with it. You know, I, I my business is 17 years old mm. and we've done really well for a long time and it's still challenging to navigate that, especially now that I've become more creative mm -hmm. and, and I, I, you know, I want to, I want to uh, create something a little more powerful, a little more aligned with me, but, you know, that's one of the things that I just love what you're doing is you're unlocking the creative entrepreneurial identity. You know, when you said the words earlier, creative versus creator, I always, I always try to break things down. Right. And, and I used to be a, an English teacher. I don't know if I ever told you that, but creative is an adjective. Creator is a noun. Right. And creative is conditional. Exactly. And creator is an identity. 
And, and I think that's what you're really Definitely. helping people understand that if you enter a room as a creative or, or wanting to be creative, the conditions of that room might not be conducive to the adjective of creative. But if you enter the room as a creator, no matter where you go, you bring the essence, the embodiment of creativity. Right. And one of the key components that you keep hitting on so powerfully is that when you think like a creator, you see the world like a creator mm -hmm. and you start seeing yourself as a brand and you start seeing the world from an entrepreneurial perspective, you'll see opportunities that you wouldn't see otherwise. Yeah. And I know that's what's happening with you and that's what you're unlocking with so many of your clients. And, you know, it's a tough shift for some people to make, but it's a necessary one and it's worth it. And once you make that shift, like mm -hmm. you'll never go back. That's the other cool thing about it. Yeah, this is the key that I use, one of the keys that I use to unlock that for poets. And that is, I'll ask the question, uh, have you written a poem before? They'll say yes. Have you have you written a book before? Some will say yes. I said, okay, got it. Okay, so a can we agree that a book is a product? Like, yeah, okay. Yeah. So a book is a product. Answer this question. Do individuals have products? People are like, okay, so no, individuals don't have products. Who has products? Businesses. Businesses. Artists, I won't even limit it to poets, artists try to operate like businesses yeah selling t-shirts and selling this and that and the third and you are trying to do business without becoming one mm. and that's that's where your frustration comes in because you're wondering why you're not selling like you yeah like, like you want or they're not paying you the price that they because they can see that you are doing it conditionally, like the word creative. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? And and they they also can see that it is hobby-ish for you. Like people can yeah. tell if you do or do not invest in yourself mm -hmm. by your presentation. And they're like, why would I pay you top dollar and take you serious when you don't take yourself serious? So good. You see what I'm saying? They're like, there's no way to go. There's nowhere to, there's nowhere, there's no excuse for it. There's no reason why. You see what I'm saying? There's yeah. no escape route for that. And they're like, yeah. Yep. Individuals don't have products. So you, you can't have this. Yeah. It's either you're going to do it or not. And you can't use the excuse of, well, I don't really have the entrepreneurial spirit. Okay. Do you have the, the, the employee spirit? Mm. Who are you talking about? Right. I, I hear that all the time. 
You know, I just wasn't born an entrepreneur. So you were born an employee. That's a huge distinction that, that I've been really studying, dissecting for a long time. And I believe exactly where you're going with that. We were all born entrepreneurial. If we weren't, we would have never learned how to walk. We wouldn't learn how to talk. We wouldn't have learned the majority of the things that we learn when we're young. And then somebody or something conditioned us to follow the rules, mm -hmm. conditioned us That's to it. not rock the boat. That's it. That's employee conditioning. But we all have entrepreneurial spirit. And the reason I think that's really important is it helps us recognize that you don't have to become anybody different to start seeing the world as an entrepreneur and as a creator. You need to unbecome all of that conditioning that's mm -hmm. preventing you from already what you have inside. But watch, they already are because if they weren't, they wouldn't be trying to sell their book. Right. Or they wouldn't be trying to get paid for their performances. Right. You see what I'm saying? They're, yep. they're doing it, but it is the fear of the upfront work and the, that's what it is. Yeah. I don't want to get the LLC and the EIN number and have to do this for myself and this, that, and the third. I just want to sell these shirts and okay. Well, then, then don't complain. <laughs> that that's the thing. If if you're going to agree or, or decide to let that be where it is, then don't don't complain that people Bingo. are not taking you serious. That that's just you can't do both. Yeah, you can't, can't follow one recipe and expect another result. Nope. 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 So. So it's either it's either we're going we're going in or we're not. Yeah. So um yeah, man. And so so and 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 even if you really feel that way and, and the business side is not you, okay, got it. There's other ways to make it happen. Yeah. Connect and partner with people who do have the mind. But don't just throw it all away, you know. So, so that's that's the thing. So and, good, and, and we can keep on going and, and keep, you know. But I want people to get that, um, because uh, once they do, once that light turns on for them, they'll understand that the moment they do start taking their art serious, then other people will start taking because people are waiting for you to get serious <laughs> they know you're talented but they yeah. also know that you're irresponsible when it comes mm. to business you, you see so yeah. so i can't i can't put my name on you mm. all i can say is i'm gonna i'm gonna like that video i'm gonna comment that was awesome but i, I can't I can't refer you. I can't, I can't do that because me, me passing you on to a business partner of mine or a colleague of mine and they, they see that you're all over the place. They looking at me crazy. 
Man. I don't, I don't, I listen, I stop referring people that don't have their stuff in place and in order. And one thing that's really, so many things are so important about what you just said. One thing about what you just said at the, at, at the, at the end there is that you aren't reaching out to those people, I imagine, and saying, Hey, there's an opportunity, but I'm not going to refer you because I'm you don't have your stuff in order. It's just quiet. You don't even know that you're missing You don't even know out. that you were being looked at. Ooh. Looked at and looked over. That's, man. You don't I just even felt, know. Talk about embodiment. I felt that in my body. But it's so empowering because all of that can change. All of that can change. All of that can change. But only if you're willing to do. self-investment. Yeah, that's a big piece. It won't change on your own. It's not going to change unless you invest time, effort, and money. Let's stop being afraid of investing money. And let's money should not be taboo. Yeah. Or it's going to be ta taboo in your life. I had somebody say, Tell me one time, if I don't look at money, money won't look at me. That's it. <laughs> That's it. Money is taboo for people who don't have it. Just think about it. It's not taboo for people who have it. It's not. Listen, Man. folks. We'll keep on talking, man. Yeah, there's a lot. There's there's a lot. This might be a part into. two. This this will be a part <laughs> two because, yeah, this will be a part two. That I think the next one will be the embodying the embodiment of greatness. Mm. This is so much. This is so good. Is. I'm so glad I brought you on, man. This ah. whole conversation is blue ocean stuff. That's why we can go in so many different directions. So many directions. Yeah. It's almost like um, a, a pastor that has a series. We might have to make this a series. Listen, we create yes. right. We're we're, <laughs> we're 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 creating right. Co-creating on we're the fly. Both, we're both getting, you know, things rolling in our head. Like, yo, we can do something. With <laughs> yeah. And to add on to something that you said earlier about just getting outside of the industry, I've never been in the poetry industry. So I, I like I, I did work, work up some courage to attend one open mic night and actually recite a poem off of my phone. And I've, you know, seen a poetry slam or two, but really nothing beyond that. And that's one of the reasons why you and I work well. So work so well is because I bring a perspective you don't have, and you bring a perspective I don't have. And then we just feed off of it, right? Yeah. You yeah. add a new ingredient, then I add something onto that, and then you add something onto that. And that's what so many people are missing. And that's impossible when you're only doing it on your own. Yeah. But it's also impossible when you're only doing it inside of the blinders, whether we're talking about the poetry industry or you're only masterminding with somebody who's doing the exact same things you are. Neither one of you are going to grow because there's not a new perspective, yep. which is stretching us. That's what I love about this conversation. That's what it is. That's what it is. Listen, folks, 
like I said, we can keep on going for hours about this because um, it's so necessary. And, uh, you know, we have a passion for unlocking what's locked in people, you know, Sean is a, is a life coach. I'm a poetry business coach and, and we're able to partner. Let's see, no one's going to partner with you if you don't have your stuff in order. Okay. Uh, it's the Poet Life Podcast. It's the Poet Life Podcast. It is Coach Sean Smith, and I am Christoph Jenkins. Coach Sean, if you could leave something for the folks, what would it be, man? I'm going to play off what you just said, because I, I have... I have two of these right off camera here near my computer. And if you can't tell what they are, they're glow sticks. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure a lot of people have bought this if you've gone trick-or-treating or had any other reason. But the the powerful thing about these glow sticks is you, you purchase them and you don't need to add anything to them. You just need to break them because there's something inside. There's a little pocket of air inside of them. Which means, and we're all these glow sticks. It's everything you just said. It's about unlocking what's already inside. It's not about adding something to you or removing something from you. It's about getting rid of the blockages inside there. And then you can glow. That's what I want for all of you is to experience your own greatness from within. Oh, I felt like a praise break right there. Good God. <laughs> hey, listen, you're going to have a pastor preaching that one. I'm telling you, that, that demonstration right there, you won't, glow, you won't glow until you unlock or, oh my God. Listen, it's the Poet Life Podcast. There you go. I am Christoph Jenkins and Coach Smith. Hey, rewind this, folks. Watch this a few times and take some notes because this was a master class. Yeah, you'll pick up more the second time and the third time. I'm trying to tell you. Yes, indeed. And share it with somebody. Mm. Listen, it's the Poet Life Podcast. We're out. Find a way. Find a way.